So welcome to Sisterhood. I just want you to know if you came today and you felt like you ran a marathon to get here, or if you feel like you got here and you're like, man, I am a disaster and I am messy, or I forgot to shower, you're in the right place. You are in the right place because 99.9% .9 of the time, I get here and I feel messy and I feel like I just ran a marathon. But that's what I love about Sisterhood. It's real, it's messy, and we get to do it together. I get to share a message with you today that is going to, I hope, challenge you. I've prayed that it will encourage you, and I'm going to do my best to do that, but we know that he is the main encourager, and I'm going to do my best to share things with you that will make you strong or give you strength, but we know that he's the only one that can give us strength, and I just want to set it up this way, ladies. I know, I know, I know that I am not the perfect messenger, but I get to read from the perfect message. And his word gets to do the work. So are you ready? Yes. You ready for him? Yes. Okay, Jesus, have your way. Here we go. Lesson 10, clothed with strength. I think it's only fitting that we start this lesson the same way that we have started every other lesson with our theme verse. Proverbs 31, 25. She is clothed with strength and dignity, and she laughs without fear of the future. In the ESV translation, it says that strength and dignity are her clothing. If you go back a few verses in 17, it says that the virtuous woman dresses herself with strength. She dresses herself. We have to physically dress ourselves every single day. And ladies, I have to say that never ever once in my adult life have I thought that it would be a good idea to leave my house without getting dressed. Okay, maybe in my pajamas, yes, but not naked. I've always thought I should probably put some clothes on and dress myself. However, I, my mom tells me that has not always been the case. I'm sure I was only two or three. I couldn't have been much more than that. But my mom and my grandma share stories of, of myself just really liking to be free and taking my clothes off and running around and sitting on the dining room table. I think she even has a picture of me with my birthday cake and me next to it, naked. I don't know why parents do that, but she did. <laughs> I was at my grandma's one time and they said, Emily, we couldn't find you and we didn't know where you were, so we went to the window and we looked out there and there I was on a trike in the middle of the road. Naked. <laughs> Turns out, in a little small town in Minnesota called Storden, it's completely legal to do that. Because nobody said anything. They just let me keep doing it. So I'm sure my mom called me in completely mortified and put clothes on me, and only I'm sure I took them back off. But here's the deal. We get to choose, right? We get to choose. We get to choose if we dress ourselves physically. We get to choose if we dress ourselves spiritually. And we've talked about this previously at Sisterhood, but let me remind you today that we are three parts. God has made us in a three-part being, and I'm going to say them in order of spiritual significance. Number one, you are spirit. Number two, you have a soul. That's your mind. That's your will. That's your emotion. Number three, you live in a body. God has fashioned you that way on purpose and for purpose. He says in Ephesians 2.10, he's created you for good works. In Jeremiah 29.11, it says, for the plans for you are good. So in order to fulfill the purposes and enjoy the life he intends for us to live, we have to do our part. We have to dress ourselves physically and spiritually, and then we must strengthen the core of who we are. That's what we're going to talk about today. 
Look at Proverbs 31, 17 one more time. She dresses herself with strength and she makes her arms strong. Underline the word dresses. In the Hebrew, it's quagar. It means to gird, to gird on, to gird oneself with a belt of armor. And if you look up gird in the dictionary, here's what it means. To fasten, to secure, to encircle, to surround. She dresses herself. Herself means mo then, loins. Loins refers to the area of the body between the ribs and the pelvis. So literally and figuratively, this word was and is often referred to as the seat of strength, of the source of life. The loins can be thought of the core of who we are. So she dresses herself, the core, the strength, she puts it on. In the Hebrew culture, if you think of pictures or if you've ever watched movies, the men usually have a dress or a robe on, right? And then they have a belt here. And if they're going off to battle or they're going to do something physically, I mean, think of it. If you had a long dress on and you didn't have a slit on it, it's like hard to move a little bit or hard to bed down. So what they do is they take the back of their tunic, the hem of their tunic, and they tuck it into their girdle. They would gird up. They would get ready. They would fasten. They would secure. They would surround themselves so that they were ready to go to battle. So we fasten. We secure ourselves in the strength, in the core of who we are. The virtuous woman is also intended to gird up her loins, to strengthen herself. Isn't that cool that in one little verse, one short verse, ladies, we take all that information. Do you understand? Like, has that ever made sense to you? Have you ever thought about that? Think about how many little verses are in here. Our God is cool. He takes those things and he makes them real. My middle daughter, Lauren, she loves to run with me and she had committed to doing a half marathon with me. And so as we began to increase our miles and run a little bit more frequently, she started noticing that she had some leg pain. And then more specifically, her knee pain, almost to the point where she was like dragging her leg and it was changing her running style and she couldn't hardly even run a mile. And so I took her to the doctor and the doctor recommended physical therapy. Turns out she had a weak core. Her core was causing her knee pain. See, without a strong core, we're prone to injuries. Some of the most common running injuries come from having a weak core. Physically, the core of our bodies is what provides us with stability. It helps us do things like sit and stand and balance and walk. In the Pacer Nation, uh, there's an article titled, The Core of All Running Problems. Here's what the team doctor says. Listen to this. What happens when there is not enough abdominal strength? You'll use that rubbery computer in the back of your brain to calculate a way to sequence other muscles to do the work. That means the muscles that run right through the middle of you get twisted in a way they were never intended. Every part of the chain of movement is now under a lot of strain. Now let's take this whirling, twisted mess out for a fast eight-mile run. You feel pretty good, but every muscle is working at a disadvantage. It isn't long before the overloaded muscles just can't keep up with the demand. You need a strong core. As a runner, we develop our core. We develop it by exercising and training. As a daughter of the Most High King, we develop our core. We develop our source of life. We develop our strength by exercising, by training, by disciplining ourselves to do things. God wants us strong, ladies. He does. It says so in his word. He talks about our inner strength a lot. You have some verses that point it out. In 1 Thessalonians 5.23, may God himself 
the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole, put you together, spirit, soul, and body, and keep you fit for the coming of our master, Jesus Christ. Ephesians 6.10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in his power, in the power of his might. Psalm 73, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses, he infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. He infuses an inner strength into us. And see, when I'm just sitting around and I'm being lazy, I don't always notice that I'm engaging my core. But when I do take notice, it's not when I'm at ease, but when I'm actually doing something, when there's a challenge, when there's adversity in front of me, when I'm running the race, when I'm getting into it, that's when all of a sudden I notice, is my, gauge, is my core engaged? Have I trained it? Have I done something? Like, think of an Olympic athlete. They don't just go out and run a race. They've done a lot of training beforehand leading up to it. They know that when it comes down to it, they, this needs to be strong. It needs to be secure. It needs to be steady. I don't know if anyone else in here is an Olympic junkie, but I am. Borderline obsessed, actually. So my kids just know every four years in the wintertime when the Olympics on for two weeks, mom's just like, not available. Same thing in the summer. Every, I don't have cable, though, so I can't watch it all day long. I have regular TV, so when it comes on at night, I'm like in front of the TV watching it. If you remember, in 2018, in the Winter Olympics, U.S. made history in one of the sporting categories of cross-country skiing. And so not only did a U.S. win a gold medal for the first time ever in cross-country skiing, but a native, Minnesota, Jesse Diggins, won the first ever gold medal in that race. You can look it up, you can watch it if you want, go Google it, it's pretty amazing. And I actually almost teared up watching it again. I know that sounds silly, but I'm just so proud of her. I don't know her, but I'm proud of her. And she's skiing and they're coming around the last bend and there's three of them that are racing for the gold medal. And then one of them drops behind and now there's only two of them going for this gold medal and they're going and they're, and the announcer is yelling into the camera as if he's right there and Jesse can hear him. And he's like, go, go, she's going, she's gonna do it. She's gonna win it. And then right at the finish line, she gets her ski out in front and she does and she collapses and everybody goes wild and she wins it. But I think I love even more than Jesse crossing the finish line is the announcer going, yes, go, do it, you can do it. Because I picture that's probably what our Heavenly Father's like to us ladies. When we're in the middle of a battle, when we're doing something, he's like, yeah, go, do it. Do you remember what we talked about? You got this, keep going, push through. You know how to do this, but I only know how to do it because why? Because I've previously trained for it. I've heard his voice. See, winning gets more difficult if we haven't trained properly. And I can watch that video. I can be encouraged. I can be inspired by it. But the truth is, Jesse Diggins can't go out and win a gold medal for me. I have to do it myself. The same is true. Sometimes in our battles, ladies, we have to get real with ourselves. We have to get up and keep fighting. And we can come to church and we can come to sisterhood and those are good and actually they're great. But when we leave here, it's what we do in our training hours that prepare us for the battles that are ahead of us. We go home. We have to desire to do more. We have to desire to strengthen ourselves. 
See, I think so many times we're willing to go and spend hours training and doing things that make us look better and feel better in the natural, but when we neglect the time that we need to spend to make us better in the spiritual. It's in repeated hate behaviors. It's in time spent reading his word. It's in learning what he says. It's in receiving his instruction that leads us to the other side of the battle, that leads us to the victory, that teaches how to fear not, that teaches how to be strong. I have to imagine when Jessie Diggins was getting to that finish line, she could probably almost hear her coach's voice in the back of her head saying, okay, remember, push off that, do this. I don't know what you do in cross country, but I'm sure she was repeating it in her mind. Why? Because she had heard him over and over and over again say the same things. And she knew what to do because she had been there and she had done it and she had trained and she had disciplined her body. That's the only way that we can know his voice. That's the only way that we can get through things is if we spent time with him, then we're in the middle of life, when we're in the middle of a season, when we're in the middle of the battle, we hear our coaches, we hear our coach's voice going, no, you can have peace. No, you can do this. No, you can love that person. No, you can push through, Emily, because you are strong and you are a fighter and you are a warrior, but it's, I only recognize my coach's voice because I have been with him, because I have listened to him. I have to do it myself. See, a personal trainer, a coach, they can teach me, but they cannot force me to get strong. It's a choice I have to make. Pastor Rob can stand up here and give an amazing message, laced with truth, filled with the Holy Spirit, but he can't make you believe it. He can't make you accept it. You have to do it yourself. Not long ago, Bethel Music released a song called Raise a Hallelujah. Uh, it's great. And if you listen to the live extended version on YouTube, Pastor Jonathan Helzer gets to, the minute, gets to the middle of it. And he spends a moment. He just wants to teach the people a little bit. And he starts exhorting them. And he says, just begin to raise your own hallelujah. I can't do it for you. There's a song that's been written in your heart. And only you can sing it. And when you sing it, enemies flee. And when you sing it, prison walls fall down. Just let it rise. Let it rise. Begin to lift it up. And when you sing it, heaven invades earth. Let it rise. Let it rise. And while that's super powerful and really passionate, guess what? He can't sing it for us. We have to do it ourselves. We get to choose. We have to engage in worship ourselves. It's an individual choice. You've probably heard it said that God's a gentleman, and I agree, he is. He gives us commands, and then he directs us for our own benefits. He lets us choose whether we heed to his voice. See, it's been that way since the beginning. In Deuteronomy 30, it says, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants might live. See, ladies, his love for us is so strong that he puts life in front of us, and then he gives us free will, and he says, you can choose. You can choose. And as we conclude this semester, I feel that it would be a great time for us to get honest with ourselves and just consider what are we choosing? What are we doing? How are we strengthening our spiritual core? And as I prepared this week, I sat and I had three questions that I sat on and I wanna ask you to sit on them as well. Number one, are you devoted to nurturing your relationship with the Lord? Are you devoted to nurturing your relationship with the Lord? How do you do that? You gain intimacy. How do you do that with people? You sit with them. You get to know them. You prioritize them. See, because I want to know his character. I want to know who he is. 
And I felt like this is what the Lord said to me this week. Am I choosing most over what I want now? Are you choosing most over what you want now? Because you know what? What I want now is sometimes to sleep in. What I want now is a perfectly clean house. (laughs) What I want now is to veg in front of the TV and watch mindless things for a couple hours. What I want now is to prepare a perfect five-course meal for my guests that are coming. When I don't know, maybe what they need is to enter into a home that's been bathed in prayer. To step into a home that has a different atmosphere than they feel at home. And so you buy a loaf of bread and you put a big pot of chili on. It's not fancy, but is it fruitful? You have to choose what you want most over what you want now. None of those things that I just listed are bad ladies. They're not bad. But here's what I've learned, that it's more beneficial for me to rise a little early than it is for me to sleep in. It's more beneficial for me to get off the couch and get on my knees than it is for me to lay there. Because quite honestly, some of you are looking at me like, yeah, that's easy for you, Emily. You're really disciplined. You've told us how early you get up in the morning. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I don't like it. Okay? But I've trained myself, and I've disciplined my mind, and I've disciplined my body to know that it benefits me if I do those things. Because quite honestly, I'd rather lay in front of the TV and watch Olympics over and over and over with a big bag of peanut M&Ms, because that's like my go-to. I'm talking family-sized ladies. Okay? And I would eat the whole thing by myself. That's what I'd really want to do. But I have to want most over what I want now. Number two, are you reading your Bible on a regular basis? Are you reading your Bible on a regular basis? Because we know that the Word of God, it's alive and it's active. It offers encouragement that nobody else can give us. It teaches us about peace and love like nobody else can. Anything you've ever wondered about is written within these two covers of this Bible. Are you reading the Word of God? Number three, do you have an active prayer life? Prayer is how we engage and communicate with God. Am I speaking? Am I listening to him? Am I learning his heart? See, because it's through prayer that I actually see you through his eyes. It's through prayer that I get to see a situation the way that God sees it. It's through prayer that I actually have the power and the authority to shift the atmosphere in the room. It's through prayer that I can change the destiny of my children. And if you're only going to prayer because you need something or you want something or you're in a crisis or you're in a bad situation or you just need a blessing, then we're missing the point. Again, that's not bad. And yes, he wants us to talk to them that. But ladies, it's an everyday thing that he invites us. He invites us to be part of it and we get to share. We get to partner with him. See, ladies, the choices that we make today will determine who we become and what we will do tomorrow. I want you to listen to Ephesians 6. It expresses God's heart for you. You can even close your eyes while I read it if you want and just let it kind of soak over you. God is strong, and he wants you strong. So take everything the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials, and put them to use so you will be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. This is no afternoon athletic contest and then we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple hours. This is for keeps. A life or death fight to the end. 
Fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. Be prepared. Take all the help you can get. Every weapon God has issued so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. You can open your eyes if you close them. But I want you to look at that scripture, ladies. And you'll notice that I underlined a few key phrases for you. I feel like it's a call to action. These are action words. Do you see what it says? Take everything. Put them to use. Be prepared. Learn how. And even now as I, as I read it, I just feel a stirring from the Lord and I just feel like, yeah, Lord, I mean, I feel like I need to tell him this. Yeah, Lord, I'm gonna take everything you've given me. I will put them to use. I want to be prepared. I promise to learn how. See, it's not a have to, it's a get to. And he just puts the invitation out there. Will you say yes? Ladies, will you take everything he's given you? Will you put it to use? Will you be prepared? Will you learn how to do it? And when we do those things, it not only helps us survive today, it gives us endurance to withstand the pain that's coming. His word says in John 16, 33, that pain will come. We're going to have trials. We're going to have tribulation. It's coming. Most of the time we experience pain that's completely outside of our control. And we have things that knock us to our knees and we have things that take our breath away. And we have things that are hard and that are exhausting and that are tiring and they wear us out. David, who is said to be a man after God's own heart, experienced that too. And see what he says in Psalm 13. He says, how long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I stir up anxious concerns within me, agony in my mind every day? How long will my enemy dominate me? Consider me and answer me. Lord, my God, restore brightness to my eyes. Otherwise, I will sleep in death. My enemy will say I have triumphed over me and my foes will rejoice because I'm shaken. But, but... But I have trusted in your faithful love. My heart will rejoice in your deliverance. I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. Ladies, David was honest with God, and that's okay. We can be honest with him, but we can't forget the but. Telling him this, 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 and then there has to be a but, and then we have to finish the sentence with, but I know that you're faithful, God. But I know that you love me anyways. God, I rejoice in your deliverance. See, David didn't stop at his agony. He kept going. He continued on. But God, how did he know the but God? Because he previously trained for it. He had spent time in his word. He heard his instruction. He heeded to his voice. We can only finish our seconds with a sentence with a but God if we know what it says. Because one of the enemy's greatest tactics in the time of pain, he gets us to focus on what we don't know. He gets us to ask the questions, why God, why? What if? And see, the devil knows if our attention starts getting focused on that stuff, it becomes a breeding ground for fear. And we get doubt in our mind and we lose our peace. And we lose our joy. See, being spiritually strong means that we learn to be mindful of what our minds are full of. 
It means we think about what we're thinking about. It means to get rid of all the junk and intentionally fill our minds with thoughts of him instead. We don't even have to intellectually understand what we're experiencing to trust him. We just need to know his character. And the more we come to know his character, the more apt we are to trust him in all things, not some things, not maybe in this thing. No, in all things. If we know his character, we trust him in all things. How do we do that? We've been previously trained. We've read his word. We've even probably seen it come out in someone else's life. We share testimonies because that stirs up faith in us. When I see God working in your life, that stirs up faith in me knowing, yeah, he can do the same in my life. We trust in the Lord with all our heart. We don't depend on our own understanding. We seek him in all we do, and he will show us what path to take. See, pain's going to come, but do you trust him with all your heart? Have you trained properly? When we do that, that's why we can say we can be a Proverbs 31. We don't need to be overly concerned about what's around the bend. We don't need to have a fail-proof plan laid out for the next 10 years to make sure that we have everything in order. We don't have to fear the future. We just need to fear God. We put our strength on that he gives to us. See, we choose to not be afraid of the future. We choose to put on the strength that he gives us. We choose to walk in his confidence. She is clothed with strength and dignity, and she laughs without fear of the futures. future. We can really laugh because we know God's character. We know his promises. We've sat with him. We've been with him. We've met with him. We've heard it. We've learned it, and we know it. And now we know that we can believe he is love. He works all things for the good of those who love him. No weapon formed against us will prosper. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. He is very present in help at the time of trouble. His mercies are new every morning and great is his faithfulness. We've learned it. We've shifted our focus from the problem to the provider. And we start looking at what we don't have and we start looking at what we do have. You choose what you want most over what you want now. And see, ladies, as your, as your patterns begin to change, your product will begin to change. You train your brain, you train your body to be disciplined, to have time with him, to get away. Our Heavenly Father is going to be cheering us on. We're not weak warriors. We're strong. We fight from a place of victory. I'm going to close with two words. You choose. You get to choose. Do you want it? Do you want to experience the presence of God? You choose. So Lord, we pray, Lord, we help us to choose the things that we want most over the things that we want now. Help us to laugh at the future because we don't fear it, Lord. Stir up a desire for these ladies, Lord, to get with you, to get away with you, Lord. We thank you that your word is true, that it's alive and active, that you'll do what you say you will do. So Lord, we thank you for everything that you've done in this room. We pray that it's not the end, but it's only the beginning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.